0: Man, we're back. (laughs) We are back. Like, what do you say in the beginning of this thing? uh, Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Because, you know, it kind of caters to whoever's listening. And we don't really know what time it is when you're listening. So, what's
1: up, guys? And it could be a different day of a different week. So, yeah, we're just happy that you're listening.
0: Yeah, we're so happy you're listening. Welcome to the show.
1: And real quick, you know, we can't thank everyone enough that's tuned in. Our numbers are growing every Mm -hmm. week, which is great. Keep telling your friends. Make sure you go over to our Instagram and follow at Chasen underscore birdies. Yeah. The website's going to be dropping first week of June.
0: Potentially, yeah.
1: Potentially. T-shirts are in production right now. We got some swag right next to us uh, ready to be sold. So once the website's up and going, the shop will be Uh, going and you can, you can purchase some cool gear on there.
0: Yeah, man. And we got the, uh, I guess Facebook business page going to get set up. We got to figure that Uh, out. Yeah. I'm not a Facebook user guys, so we'll just have to figure that one out. But, uh, what a day, man. What you got scheduled today, man? A little golf today, eh? Uh,
1: play a little golf today.
0: Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's about right. I think I'm going to play with you today. Hockey playoffs are in full action right now. My, oh my, oh my. What about your boy last night? What happened to him?
1: Oh man, Troach had a fantastic opportunity to score, and uh, he didn't get up mm. the puck. The he puck, uh, yeah. All uh, right, he didn't get the puck up high enough over the the goalie, and he had a great opportunity. He looked up to the heavens and thought, "I just let that one get away from me." It's kind of like a, a three foot birdie putt. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you got to make them when you when you have a chance. Yeah. So they're up. in their series. I like the way the team looks.
0: Oh, and the old Penguinos.
1: The Penguinos are, yeah, 1-1. Man, the series, if you're not even into hockey right now, the series are absolutely insane. They are ripping each other's heads off in every series. I mean, once the whistle blows, it's like grab a dancing partner. Yeah,
0: touch them, touch them. Hey, the coolest thing about it, though, is the fans. Seeing that action again and all Dude, that,
1: Carolina. They were the first game one. The towels were going. People were screaming, and I, I know Vince said that it was absolutely electric. So it's it's great to see. Yeah, and man. it's great to see on the PGA Tour too that there's starting to be more fans um, at each event, and we're opening up. We're not all the way open, but yeah. we're opening up slowly but surely. We're closer to. Uh, a little bit more normal.
0: No- normality, yeah, man. It's going to be a good one with all the majors coming up. And, you know, we we have a good guest today, I feel.
1: Yeah, he's a good guest, motivational speaker. was a heck of a fo- football player. Yeah, hell of a football player. For uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Chicago Bears, even though his Chicago Bear
0: time was short. Mm-hmm. I tell you, I saw him. We played out in uh, Scottsdale, and... um my man, he, he looks good on the golf course, man. He's got, like, these tight, tight-fitted pants, a little bit tapered there by the ankle. Merrill looks like he is ready to rip someone's head off on the golf course. I mean, he's still in, he's still in impeccable shape. I mean, he is in absolute – So he's in better specimen. shape than me? Oh, yeah, muffin top.
1: All right, bud. Like, she, she called me that once. <laughs> my wife called me a muffin top, my stomach. And, you know, I, I took that a little personal. <laughs> so um, we're, we're trying to work on it, a little less bread –
0: a little less bread, a little more protein.
1: Protein, a little less beer, more red wine.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe you should probably up your cardio a little bit too, but in some way.
1: Yeah, I mean, we could do that. So so tell the people who our guest is. You really never said... What yeah, Merrill,
0: Merrill Hodge. Well, uh, hopefully people by now know. Uh, we got Merrill on the podcast today. And a really, really inspiring individual. Great motivational speaker and some awesome stories that we've had with him. So we're excited to share this podcast with all of you, and uh, I think let's just roll it in. Yeah, keep chasing those birdies, everyone. Yep, enjoy the pod. As you all know by now, Chasing Birdies is proud to be partners with Holderness and Born. Check them out online at hbgolf.com. Holderness and Born makes fabulous pieces that help you look good on the course, even if your game is not up to par. Check out their new arrivals now for this golf season. Also, head on over to ChasingBirdies.com to get some custom Chasing Birdie gear from Holderness and Born. We'll continue to drop these pieces through every season. That's ChasingBirdies.com and Holderness and Born at HBGolf.com. All right, so we now are transitioning from the country music scene, the NHL scene, and we're moving over to the NFL scene. And uh, this running back played for the Steelers, a well-known in Pittsburgh legend, and obviously is is a very, very motivating guy to be around. I've had the pleasure to be around him. Uh, Merrill Hodge. Merrill, you there?
2: I'm here. I'm yeah. here, gentlemen.
0: Hey, man. Thanks so much.
2: It's my pleasure. Looking forward to
0: it. Yeah, so diving in a little bit here, um, I didn't know you were from Idaho. You know, yeah. And, uh, oh yeah, and got involved out there, you know, and and end up finding your your love for for football. I take it.
2: Well, I can just tell you this. Um, here's here's the big problem I had when I was in Pittsburgh. Um, or when I first got drafted. Um, we would, you know, Three Rivers. When you come out of the tunnel, you know, all the fans would be there, mm-hmm. Yeah you know? I always hear, "Go, go, Hawkeyes! Go, Hawkeyes! <laughs> go, Idaho, go, Hawkeyes!" And I you know, I was like, oh, God guys. Oh, guys. Oh, they think I'm from Iowa. I'm like, That's all right. I mean like so one day, uh uh we were walking out, I can't remember what it was. my buddy one of my buddies like he goes, You went to Iowa? I go no, I I, I went to Idaho but I'm I'm telling you in, in Pennsylvania I just don't think they can get past Iowa. I go they kinda get stuck in Iowa and they just can't go another thousand miles to mm. Idaho. <laughs>
1: Yeah. You got to you got to you got to remember, Meryl. They're out in the parking lot of Three Rivers. there uh, are <laughs> drinking a few icy lights. So,
2: uh, right? I don't blame them. I go when I got drafted by the Steelers. I had to go run downstairs and grab that globe. That, that ball, that globe ball that everybody had back in like the, the 80s where you didn't have the internet and you're spinning that around. I'm like, holy cow, that's over by New York. I'm like, gee, Chris, <laughs>
1: Right. <work?"> so <laughs> I don't
2: blame him for not be a, being able to go past Iowa. It's all right.
1: It's well, all right. And, and you had a very impressive uh, college football career at Idaho State. You had an NCAA record of 5,453 all-purpose yards with 31 touchdowns. I don't care who you are or where you are. That's unbelievable.
2: Well, you know, I actually appreciate, you know, the thing that was probably, um, the most, um, uh, which stood out the most with what I did and what I was doing back then, you know, I, one year I almost had a hundred receptions.
0: Uh-huh. I had
2: almost a thousand and a thousand my junior year, um, which was really my best year. I probably should have come out my junior year, but, um, back then you didn't do that. Um, yeah, I, you, I started you four, years. four years. Yeah. Yeah, and it was – um, it's hard to, you know, play college football for four years and every year get a little better. You know, you're going to have a, a down year. You know, you're usually not going to keep going up, up, up. And i just come, on off, come off a a year where I almost caught 100 balls, got 1,000 yards of see, uh, rushing. And I don't – actually, I think that's you know, the first time in Idaho State history that had actually been done, to be honest with you. Then I go to my senior year. My mom died that year. Tragically, and so it was just that. a train wreck. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate that. I mean, it was just a train wreck. It was just like everything, everything that could go wrong, in one year went wrong. And uh,
0: right. I didn't
2: have my best year. I didn't have my best year. And but playing four years was an advantage to maybe saying playing only one or two and in other colleges. So uh, uh, I got lucky. I mean, I was very blessed and fortunate. I got the chance, you know, and I went to the right team.
1: And so coming out of college. Idaho State's not a known university. No. You know, nowadays, you watch you watch these guys coming out of college. We can watch the Combine. You can watch that nowadays and, and know yeah. about these players. So how did the Pittsburgh Steelers find Merrill Hodge in Idaho uh, State?
2: Well, no, actually, I went to the Combine. You know, I went to the Combine. I'm glad they don't have footage from back then because <laughs> it would be – I still say I had the one – I had probably the worst Combine in the history of the combine you know if they had footies back in the day i could verify that i had gotten the flu about three days before i leave to the combine i lose like 10 pounds Hmm. i spent more time getting notes from my doctors for medication i was on so that something wasn't false positive for steroids or something and because there was a particular I'm um, an antibiotic. I was taking that could be misconstrued for that in testing. So I had to have all this documentation. I spent more time getting documentation. I wasn't doing drugs, but <laughs> I wasn't on steroids. I was just sick before I went to the combine. And then I, I showed up and laid an egg, but <sighs> I went to the combine. And then what happens um, after the combine in traditional years is they'll come back and re-scout you, you know, and do a pro day. And, um, I had been projected to go to the Raiders in the fifth round wow. and the green Bay Packers. So here's the teams that came back to um, scout me out or work me out again. was the green Bay Packers, the Washington Redskins, the Raiders, the Denver Broncos and the Pittsburgh Steelers mm. of all those teams. Every one of them worked me out again. Every one of them did drills on me and the Steelers, um, let me back up a little bit. They give you the day they're going to come in. So they'll say, listen, next Tuesday, we'll be in there. meet you in the, at the football offices at one o'clock, you know, probably get on the field by two o'clock. So the students, set at the time I get down there that I'm going, where's he at? And he goes, well, he's down in the office watching tape. I go down to the room. He's watching tape. And I ask him, hey, listen, do you want me to get ready? And I don't know what time you want to go on the field. And he's like, oh, he goes, hey, well, do you play basketball? <laughs> I'm like, uh, well, yeah. I go, yeah. I used to play basketball. I was actually really pretty. I was actually really good in basketball. And he goes, he goes, oh, good. He because um, the Steelers have a basketball team in the off season. They tour a lot. They, you know, you can make some money in the off season, some good money too. You can Play a lot of games. In basketball. Really? Yeah. So I said, okay. I go, do you want me to go get ready, work out? He goes, no, 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 no. He goes, I don't. We don't need that. He goes, I'm. He I, I got all I need right here. So He's watching tape, right? <laughs> And so he said, Hey, thanks for coming back. You know, we talked a little longer, but he, I shook his hand. Really nice guy, right? But he doesn't let me work out. So I leave. I remember going, okay, the, of all the teams, I go, I could tell you the one team that ain't drafted me. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers because they say they talk to me more about basketball than they did football. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, they're not going to draft me. And then, oh, lo and behold, that's your draft.
1: That's who drafts you. And <laughs> that's uh, awesome. we were happy to have you. I mean, they draft you 10th round, 261st pick from 87 to 93. I mean, for people that don't know the Pittsburgh Steeler tradition, it is uh, one of sacred. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's unbelievable, the, the history of the Pittsburgh mm-hmm. Steelers, and for you to actually be a part of that. Yeah, you know people are, are on the sidelines and all that, but you are actually a part of that history. Tell us a little bit about that because, like I said, it's a it's a working man's city, and it carried yeah. over to those fans.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I said I got – I went to the right city. I went to the right culture, mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember – Going back to combine and the draft i remember in the uh evaluation process i was the third best fullback in the country um i was ranked in the third best fullback. and then talent is like beauty it's all in the eye of the beholder. okay so but i'm just in the rankings i was the third best remember the first one was um Lonzo highsmith who was out of miami and it read his bio read something like i mean Big, horse, athletic, <laughs> powerful, catches, you know what I mean? Just, like Just an animal. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, then, then Roger Vick at Tech is saying, them, thoroughbred of a back, big, strong, verse, I guess to me, self-made player. And I'm like, I'm sitting there going, oh, man, I mean, I, that's it. That's all you can write about. Then uh, I, I start thinking about it. I start thinking about it. And this actually should give everybody hope, which is, why well, I do a lot of motivational speaking now because, quite honestly, I looked at it wrong. I actually, when I I spent time thinking about it, I'm like, well, you know what? I I, I kind of am. I mean, but then we all have that. We have true – everybody has that possibility to make the most out of what they have. And that's a, a responsibility that we all have. And so I I looked at it wrong initially. It took me a while, actually, because I keep going back and reading it and just going, why can't you be a little more elaborate on, on my skills? Yeah. than the other skills. But when I was a kid, my favorite team was the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, I I mean, I was a, I was a huge Steeler fan when right I was a Right out the kid. gate, yeah. Yeah, I was – uh it's like a childhood dream. So I get drafted, and this is – like you can't even – you can't script this, but they walk me into the locker room. They sit me down in my locker, and the first guy, Tony Preci, who's the equipment manager, came over and goes, you know whose locker this is? And I was like, uh, nope. I go, well, I guess it's mine. He's like, uh, that you know, used to be Frankel Harrison. Oh. And I was like, and who, who who comes walking in and sits down in the locker next to me? Donnie Shell. Oh, my serious. God. About 10 minutes later, here comes Joe Green. I swear to you, I think oh. he has a can in his hand. I don't realize it's a Coke until he sits it down because his hands are just so massive. You see Joe Green. uh said, I can i my. like' are you, This is so surreal. I'm like, that kid, I'm in mean, the greatest commercial in the history of and he, and he stand at, you know, a coconut smile and now Joe Green standing, you know, like mm-hmm. 10 feet from me. Uh, Mike Webster was my roommate. Oh, wow. yeah. John Stalworth was still there. So when I got in the huddle, my very first time, I'm looking at Mike Webster and John Stalworth. and I, uh, I mean, obviously Chuck Knoll yeah. the head coach and, and John cold was a strength and conditioning coach. Who's a legendary left tackle for the Steelers? And I,
1: your quarterback was you had Bobby Brister and Neil O'Donnell.
2: No, when I was my rookie year, it was Mark Malone.
1: Okay, Mark Malone, and then you went in. Mark
2: Malone was my first year. Yeah, then Bob, then they traded Mark, and uh, and Bobby became our starter. But it was the right. uh, I fit. I, I, I remember this is how I knew I had a chance. Chuck Noel gave this, uh, we were, they're were going to do a mini combine. Okay, let's go back to the combine. Okay, I already told you how bad it was, right? So this is what they're going to do the very first day of training camp. And I'm just in my head just going, come on, man, I just can't shake this combine thing. I like, I hate the combine, I hate the combine. I'm not a 40, I, I'm not a sprinter. And that's kind of how I always felt the combine, that's all they looked at. But I, the agility drills is where I really, I would separate myself from other people because I could start and stop and I had great change of direction which as i learned later on in life i mean really in football that's one of the best things to have that gift of start and stop and redirect now if you have that and rare speed then you know you, you have a chance to really be elite but if you wanted to pick one of the two and to be a good football player like a wide receiver jerry rice wrote a 4 six forty. but what he did so well is he got in and out of break he was mm-hmm. so great with his route running and that's true with Football, getting in and out of breaks, change direction. Rather D lineman or your outside linebacker, DB, wide receiver, running back. You know, even the quarterback. I mean, really, it's about feet, hips, and arm. You know, that's all – that's how it works. So, he said, hey, listen, this is what we're going to do. We're going to find out who's the fastest and who jumps the highest. And he was really making a joke of it because he didn't want to do it. He kind of got forced to do it because he shared it with us. He goes, I really don't want to do this. It's going to waste a pra- day of practice. We're going to do something we've already done. And he threw a caveat out there. He made everybody wear pads and dress like uh-huh. you were playing. You had to be taped. And he said, he goes, You're, uh, I want your socks down. Um, I want knee pads in. I want your butt pad in too. Everything had to be on. Oh wow! So if you didn't work taped, it made you go back up and get taped. So the fastest 40, remember Rod Woodson was, draft, was in my draft. He was a world-class sprinter. Rod Woodson was the fastest. It was him or Dwight Stone. They ran the fastest 40, like a 4.65, because we ran it on grass too. We had full pads, we had grass on it. <laughs> so, if you said Rod Woodson ran a 4.65, 4. 5. you'd be like, you're yeah. like, are you
0: kidding me, yeah. Rod
2: Woodson? But, but now you, you go to the real environment. In the draft, you got spandex and underwear uh-huh. and athletic events. You know, like I tell people, if you really want, if if, if if it was just about speed, then you should go to the Olympic trials and grab everybody who doesn't make it to the Olympics because all of them are world-class sprinters. Yeah. like a football player. I go, it was just that easy. But he says, we're going to do all this. We're going to do it. And he goes, and then I'm going to spend the next five weeks finding out who can play football.
0: Wow! And like when
2: he said that, I was like, okay, I got a shot. I right. got a shot. Right. I go, if I, could just get, if I just get through today, You're whatever good. I do, just get through it and just didn't show him for five weeks that I could play football, and that's that was the start um, when he said that. And I was able to do that. I had a uh, had a really good training camp. That was the year we went to we went out to strike though after our second game, which was tragic, just absolutely tragic. You see, make a team, and then I'm I'm walking out. I'm like, what?
0: Yeah, Man, what's happening? Sense. We're done. You
2: know, it was just yeah, it was 87. Was a rough year, a real yucky rough year.
0: So playing playing getting your first kind of taste of the NFL. You know, you're coming out and you have you're you're with this team that's coached by Chuck Null. he's a legend. Uh, you're surrounded by the likes of, you know, like you said, uh, Joe Green and, and whatnot. Was there an intimidation factor for you to perform at a certain level out the gate, or were you just kind of always betting on yourself and knowing that, hey, the biosynopsis of me in the draft is true and I'm gonna prove it. Like I'm betting on me.
2: Um, you know it's a- It's an interesting question because, and this is where I I thrived in. I'm telling you this that Uh the better the player, the bigger the game, the better the team, the better I played. Yep. It's like I welcome, I welcome that. I never, um, like I'm going to tell you this, like third and five, Mm -hmm. I've always went in the huddle. Or I've always went to the sideline where I was basketball or baseball. I'm like, gosh dang it. But mate, I want to be there when it's full count bases loaded.
0: Yep. You want to be You
2: can put me in that position, man. And I always pre- prepared like that in my head. I always thought like that in my head. And I hit the home run or I, well, I hit the shot to win of the basketball. I make the winning shot. Uh, football, third and one, fourth and one. I go, give me the ball. I get mm, the
0: Yeah. Give me the ball. Now,
2: what I'm getting at, what I'm getting at, <clears throat> see, and I think that, like, you, you talked about, like, how do some people perform? in those critical junctures. I do often, I do think that there's a large thing that plays on your approach to those environments, those approach to those moments m- mentally. Like I never thought I would not get it. Now, there are plenty of games where I didn't get it. Yeah, but I, yeah. I never thought like that. Right. I, I, never, I never thought like that. I remember when I first got to our first mini camp, I was like, holy cow, this is awesome, man. Michigan's over there. Florida's over there. Clemson's over there. I'm like, well, Georgia's over there like I'm playing mm. these guys. I'm playing with these guys. And I go, you know, I can and so I, I like that. I really did. Uh I it, it brought the best out in me. Um yeah. and I and I and I got to see, you know, something I got to see something about myself cuz I you know, in those moments you just sometimes maybe you don't know how you're going to respond um and I just do think it goes back to how you'd always kind of programmed yourself. How do you yeah. think of 100%. things in those moments you know I never thought of failing and that doesn't mean that uh and I don't even I remember the Denver Bronco game was probably it was a playoff game in 89 we had uh, where we lost where we done everything to win that game but we end up losing it but I I've never been in a game where from the start of the game to the end of the game the intensity of it and the moments where you have butterflies and the pressure of every down. And that's probably because like like it seemed like every third down we had this play called um, 99 full, fullback option where everybody ran go routes. And then I would run an option route underneath. It really, they'd try to really clear the field out and let me win. And that's all we called. Like every third down, that's what we called. And I, and the, the more I, and then when I started, I got all the first. I was getting all the first downs in the first half, so they doubled me in the second half. So they oh, just put another so layer down. of right. complication. And, and I'd won know and I beat him then. Oh, uh, Smith and uh, and Steve Atwater. In fact, for the two safeties. Steve Atwater and I still talk about this game every when I see him every now and then because there's a Sports Illustrated cover shot. I'm running over Steve Atwater.
0: Oh my God. And
2: it's, uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's either the, the cover or the, the lead, the picture in the, ma- in the, in the article in the magazine. Uh, but we, we had this play called 16U. We put it in that week. I hated it. It was just a bad angle. It was, a, it, was a, it was, I hated it when I came. I like, when we put it in, I was like, I hate this. Oh. Well, it's like third, it's like third and, and forever. And we're backed up on the five yard line. We've already done a false start. It's, we're just, the crowd's going ballistic. I mean, it's so loud. And here in comes 16U. I'm like, "Are you freaking kidding me?" <laughs> and I take it, and I, I end up getting about 49 yards on the run. Wow. Yeah. But it was that run that I, was, I ran over Steve, Steve Atwater. Steve
0: Atwater took it.
2: Yeah, yeah. And see, but we laughed because—and this is why we laugh about it. Because you remember Steve Atwater. Steve Atwater is probably remember for hitting Christian Akoya, right? Yeah. On a Monday night uh-huh. game, I mean, I like decleat and Christian Nicoya. Okay, it's just, it's, it's just, it's not, oh, I ran over Steve Avalon. That's not why I'm saying this. At some point, I don't care who you are or how bad you are, it ain't going to go your way. <laughs> there's just too yeah. many, there's, because I can show you but many times I got decleated. It was on the other end of it, but we laughed. Like, that doesn't matter who you are. Eventually, if you play long enough, yeah, <laughs> somebody's going to get you. Yeah, you, somebody's going to get you at some point.
1: Well, and and that's the thing. You know, at that time, you're a younger player. And them, the Steelers keep giving you the ball. That gives you all the confidence in the world. Yeah. Because, okay, they're trusting me. When you have confidence and you're a professional athlete, I don't know that, but from what I've heard, you... He looks you, nobody, like a professional
0: athlete, yeah, though, but
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my wife told me I had a muffin top yesterday, so... <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but you have the confidence, and, and nobody's going to stop you. And... That's always nice to nice to have whenever your your team's relying on you.
2: There's a there's a silver lining in there where coaching is so important, you know, because mistakes can happen. I remember um, it was when Bill Cowher first came in. Ron Earhart came in. He was offensive coordinator for the New York Giants when they won the Super Bowl. He now he's a fabulous coach, but he and I butted heads the Ooh. second he the second he entered the building, and this is why, he wanted to cut me and bring Maurice Carthon in because he wanted a guy who just was a glorified guard. He uh-huh. all, all Maurice Carthon did, Maurice Carthon was a very good football player, uh-huh. but he just blocked. He, they never gave him the ball. He didn't catch, and I was our third down back. Um, I, I carried the ball a lot. I mean, I did a, a whole host of things, and and Bill's like, you know, you, you know, between Mr. Rooney and that guy over there, he pointed to Bill Cower. They ain't gonna let me get the guy I want in here. And I'm like, well, oh. think about this. So I said, look, and I listen, here's how I believe about respect. And I had respect initially. I don't believe that you know you have to respect your coaches or elders if they're gonna disrespect you. Now I never disrespected a coach or anybody in my life unless I had been so disrespected uh-huh. I had to I had to defend myself and I had to really stand up for myself because he just kept beating me down. He beat me down. Um, I made, I had a couple balls where I dropped. Oh my gosh. Every day he would talk about, you know what? You want one more of those? He goes, now I'm going to get my wish. I'm going to get you out of here. And I was wow. like, he's wearing on me and wearing on me. So, you know, one day I just finally said, well, listen, I go, you're such a brilliant, such a genius. I go, I led the led, led team in rushing and receiving four out of five years. And you're so smart that you can't incorporate somebody like me in your offense. And get me the ball and have another phase to your offense? Like well, that actually speaks volumes about you. Uh-huh. I go, you can't find ways. I now and these were direct I mean, we had verbal confrontations. I mean almost daily. I mean weekly. Yeah, I mean very practice. so we play the Patriots, um Bill Parcells is on the other side. Um Barry Foster had got hurt. This is second the second year into Bill Cower. And um Barry Foster got hurt, he headed back home to Dallas. And I I became our feature ball carrier. Well, I have a big game against the Patriots. I had like three touchdowns and a hundred yards rushing, and like seventy receiving. And uh Bill Parcells comes across the field and tells Ron Earhart he goes, Oh that's a heck of a football player. Mm. That's a heck of football Now now see here's what I loved about Ron Earhart. I still go back, he's a great coach. It's just because he and I didn't see head to head I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest and fair. He was I learned a lot from Ron Earhart, he was a great coach. He and I, he just wanted to get his buddy in there. Yeah. And we were butted heads with that. But he comes back to me, he's like, you know what? He goes, he, tell, he tells me decide. That's how I know this, because he tells me what happened. He changed his perspective of me. Mm. But what I'm getting to is, he beat me down so long. I mean, I told you, I don't, I think I have, I might still have the record for most receptions by running back in NCAA history. I still might have that. Okay. When the ball was thrown to me, I was like, Oh my gosh. I'm like, I felt like I had three left hands or a no yeah. finger. I, I was like, I was scared to death for the ball to come to me. It was like, I couldn't catch the ball because he had beat me down so much that my confidence was just shattered. And it really took, I mean, it was an arduous battle to get that confidence back. That helped, you know, once he started getting off me and then he, he, cause he respected Bill Parcell so much he just looked at me differently. And then our conversations changed. I remember when I was um, – that was the year I became a free agent. And I remember Bill uh, – Ron Earhart called me into his office and he said, here's what our plan is. Here's I'm going to move you and Barry in the backfield together. He goes, we're going to feature both you guys. We're going to draft a fullback and make you guys our ball carriers. And I just <sighs> – When I walked out of the room, I was like, man, I just don't believe it. You know, I just, just because I just, even though things had changed a little bit, I just didn't believe it. And the 49ers had tried to trade for me both years because they knew that I I didn't fit what they were doing. Technically, I really didn't. But I did fit in San Francisco. And we had played in Spain a year ago. And the 49ers fell in love with me and wanted me, because Maurice Carr, they wanted to get Tom Rathman. Because Tom Rathman, they wanted a little more versatility as a runner. And they wanted to bring me in, and so, but the Steelers wouldn't trade me because they wanted two defensive linemen for me. And that really wasn't a fair trade. I just, let's be honest with them. I, mean, I told Tom Donovan, I go, why don't you just, I mean, make it fair. Get me out of here. Yeah. You, know, you know I don't fit here. I, you, yeah, you keep asking for too much. Nobody's going to trade for that. They're not going to trade me for me for that. You're making this too hard. And so I knew that in the free agency that, that that's probably where I was going to go. And then the Bears called out of the blue. And they just signed Cameron Hayward. I mean, uh, not Cameron Hayward, uh, Ironhead Hayward mm. the year before. And I was like, why would they want me? But again, that's, that was a time when the fullback was used a lot more. and they, they But they wanted versatility with that guy. Yeah. And I brought versatility. I brought versatility to him, And that's what the Bears wanted. They wanted versatility. So, so
0: when you left Pittsburgh, were you kind of okay with it? Like, hey, this is my time to go?
2: No. No. <laughs> I'm the worst negotiator in negotiating history. Now this is this is this is what happens. I go to the San Francisco 49ers. I meet with George Seaford, Carmen Policy, who is the GM. Carmen Policy said you're the best fullback in this league. He goes, "We want to sign you." He goes, "But right now we don't have enough money." Now this is just about the second year or first year the salary cap has been introduced. The 49ers have $2,000 under the salary cap. They don't have enough money to even run minicamps it's going to take them to the draft to get enough money. Now, this is the year they signed Deion Sanders, Ricky Sanders, the line the backer for the Saints, and they give everybody kind of the same deal. If we win the Super Bowl, which they do, everybody gets a million-dollar signing bonus. Awesome. And Mike Shanahan was the offensive coordinator. Mike Shanahan works me out, and they kiss me. I met with George D. and he's like, well, you know, Matt, if this is back in the day. I just asked you how much, and you're a 49 <laughs> I start crying. I'm like, no, oh. no, why? <laughs> And I make one mistake. Mike Shanahan says, hey, listen, don't sign anywhere. At least call me before you do. So I flew back actually to the Bahamas because I had flown from the Bahamas to go meet with them. I'd already been with the Bears. The Bears offer me about roughly a million dollars to sign and a million a year for three years. Okay, that's, that's million a million dollars. When I got in the league, the highest paid player in the National Football League was Walter Payton at – a million dollars!
0: Wow,
2: and I'm not saying I'm I was good as Walt Payton. What I'm saying is, could you imagine what Walt Payton would have been worth right. that time? Yeah, and just and just how much things had grown in almost uh-huh. ten years. Yeah, it's just like today when I look at these contracts, I'm like, oh, oh, it's ridiculous! Oh my gosh! But you can't do anything about that. You just you know, listen. Before me, they probably did the same thing. Walt Payton was probably like, oh man, yeah. Oh, you yeah. know what I'd be worth? Yeah, and he'd be right. Okay, mm-hmm. so now the Bears offer me a million to sign and a millionaire. So
1: you have to take so it. I just
2: play. Well, well, let's wait, this is this is where the bad negotiating comes in. I, I'm going, I went down to, I was working out at WNJ, working in the pool. I did, oh, I was doing a pool routine. I, I, I spent a lot of time in the pool when the season was over to rehab and recover and a lot of my training. The Steelers said, i would just come off a $500,000 deal. And now I'm getting double. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, and Tom Donald kept saying, he goes, gosh, if you bring me you bring me a deal, he goes, Maybe, you know, maybe we'll, we'll start talking. So I drive and Jack come to him, I take him the deal, okay, listen, here's what I'm getting. I'm getting a million a year and a million to sign. I go, I'll come, I'd rather stay here for eight to sign and eight a year. So I take eight hundred thousand off the books right oh. there for myself. I lose I I lose eight hundred thousand oh. dollars right off the bat in my negotiations, right? And that's yeah. when that's when he said, oh, he said, I don't need you. I got Barry Foster. Oh, man. And the year before, Barry had left the team. He quit the team because he hurt his ankle, and he said, I can't play. I can't do anything more for you." So he just leaves. <laughs> and I, that was the, the year that when Bill Parcells had told yeah. on Earhart that. And I'm like, wait a minute. You're going to trust a guy who just ran out on the team. And I, I, it was like this guy getting sucker punched. It was like getting punched right in the gut. I yeah. remember walking out. I remember I walked out of Three Rivers. Okay, I made a decision, an irrational decision from emotion. I go back to what is, um, Mike Shanahan say, just give me a call. I yeah. didn't make that call. I called I called my agent and I said, Brother, I'm a bear.
0: <laughs>
2: and um <laughs> drove home. Well and um and I was angry, I would say I was angry, and then thank goodness I had cooler heads prevailed because I'm like I was only angry at Tom Idaho, Yeah. How I handled it. Okay, i was like, the Steelers Drafted me and gave me a chance, and I have had nothing but absolute joy and success. There, I thank the Lord. I just let that happen. That yeah. be that be my focus because ever all the media hit me up just within an hour, and I said exactly what I should have said, and I really felt genuinely. I didn't let that that anger for one person um makes say something that I would have regretted. And the reason I I say that is. The next morning, the, my phone rang, and it was Mr. Rooney. He said, hey, um, can you come down to my office? And so I'm thinking, hey, I haven't signed that deal yet. Maybe I'll get. Yeah, maybe. That's how I'm thinking. I'm like, oh, is cool? shoot, I'll get down. And so I get down to Mr. Rooney, and I, I said, I haven't signed the contract. He goes, oh, and like, you can't do that, which he was right. because like, I couldn't do that, right? But he yeah. said, I just want you to know something. He goes, um, he goes, I pay people to do their job. He goes, um, I never said this publicly. He goes, but I wish I would have kind of done it a little differently. He goes, but I, I want you to know you're welcome in those, to walk in those doors anytime you want. Awesome. And I remember like he was saying that I was like, okay, that was all worth it. As much as I wanted to stay there, it was mm-hmm. so hard to leave. I'm telling you, I walked out, I was crushed. Actually, I was so crushed because it's where I wanted to be. But, uh,
1: That gives know, you chills go, when a guy like Mr. Rooney tells you that. Yes.
2: Yeah. And that's why I was like, okay. And I'd go back to, okay, Just, I'm glad I didn't just let a little bit of emotion get a hold, get a, Take me away and start bad-mouthing a all these people when none of them had anything to do with them. Ripping an organization that didn't have anything to do with this. It was just one. I was just like, thank goodness I had that common sense not to do that. But that's how I ended up in Chicago. I ended up in Chicago. and Now, Walter Payton was my favorite player. So I, I, it, There was a lot of great things that happened in Chicago. And I learned so much, and the experience was, uh, you know – Still lives with me today. Some of the great relationships and friends, and and what I what I developed in Chicago. I, you know, I wouldn't have had some opportunities I had in Chicago that I, that I wouldn't have had them in Pittsburgh that I had in Chicago. Like right. when I signed my deal there, part of my deal was doing a a Monday night show on my, at Walter Payton's place, a radio show for two hours. It was my radio show. I did a pregame show for CBS and a postgame show for CBS. Which I was trying to work in broadcasting anyway, and there just wasn't those type of flat platforms in Pittsburgh. There are more of those in Chicago, mm-hmm. and so I got to do a lot of things and meet a lot of people on that side. And when my career prematurely ends, it just it was a good thing I had done that because yeah. it really helped me
0: transition move into my
2: life's work. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, and and you know you battled you know, uh, you some concussions uh, in your career. Yeah, and so I think. Being able to have the opportunity and see that, hey, at the end of your football career, you've kind of set yourself up to be successful again. Betting on yourself to transition into this, uh, you know, I don't want to say career, but essentially a, a different career than what you were used to. And now, you know, looking at it from here and backwards, it it's it's been a good move for you in terms of you know your 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 speaking, your media career, and whatnot. Um, you know, that might've been a, a, a reason why you propelled into that, uh, into that career by being traded to Chicago.
2: Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I go back, you, you can't, okay, everyone wants to change. well, if you change one thing, what can you change? Well, you know, you can't, nobody can change anything. So
0: why, why even think <laughs> well, about why it?
2: Waste, right. Why waste, well, why waste that energy? You know, I've never, yep. I've never played that game because you always lose that game because mm-hmm. it's an unrealistic game. Um, I can I can tell you this that you know I wrote a book my the first book I wrote was the title is find a way and find a way those words have helped me live a dream and fight to live mm-hmm. they started when I was age 12 it's the first time I ever had my own bedroom and I had my dad make me a wall of cork mm-hmm. on that wall of cork I put up my goals and that the top of the goal was I will play in the national football league mm-hmm. and um uh, I remember as a kid when I was younger, people would always say, hey, what are you going to do? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to play in the National Football League. One of four things was always said to me right after I told them what I was going to do. The people who were supposed to encourage me were the first ones to discourage me. They'd say, oh, you know how hard that is? Oh, <laughs> Meryl, you know the odds you play in the NFL are? Oh, mm-hmm. my son, don't put all your eggs in one basket. I wouldn't want you to be disappointed. Or it was impossible. Mm-hmm. Well, when I put that goal up, I'll play in the National Football League. It's the first exercise I ever had in my life where do you control your mind or does your mind control you? Well, my mind was controlling me. Everything I thought about was how hard it was going to be, what are the odds. Don't put your eggs in one basket. It's impossible. And the words find a way popped into my head. And they it, it changed my thought process. I mean, it inspired the one thing I always talk about when I speak is it inspired action. Yeah. But what it did, it was my first exercise of me now controlling my mind. So I remember I take my goals down, I move them down an 8x10 card, and I put the words find a way at the top because it inspired me every day to take action. Action ultimately resulted in a plan. You create a plan, and then you execute that every day. I, was, I tell a story about what Walter Payton did for me. And the thing I learned from Walter Payton, but it was that moment in my life that I didn't realize it was supposed to help me live a dream. I didn't know that it was going to be, it was going to implement when I got diagnosed with cancer, when I had open heart surgery, when my career ended, I'm in depression. I can't even read a, a child's book. I mean, I have all of this rehab to do. And those words have inspired me and I got tools now where I control my mind. I don't let my mind control me. And I have a bunch of different ways that I go about doing that. Um, being accountable, yep. you know, um, taking action. You know, I, I, I also, when I talk, I talk about, listen, there, there's really two kind of locker rooms you can get up and get dressed in every day. It's really up to you. And if you want to be in a toxic quitter locker room, you're probably pointing fingers, making excuses and casting blame. I've never seen a successful person or a champion walk out of a locker room like that. Never seen it done. And I will never see it done right. because it is toxic, it is poisonous, and it is weak. And nobody goes anywhere. Successful locker rooms, and I have done this, and has been great value in not just playing football for all these years, but to go speaking and seeing all these different environments and talking to people and mingling with a multitude of businesses and people. The one thing that I find in all successful people is their willingness to self-reflect, that they look at themselves and they evaluate themselves first. Do I got to make changes? If they do, they correct them. Mm. They create a plan and then they take action. And that's where their vision and focus is. And it is true in every environment. I've paid really close attention to that over time. And um, I learned it as a young kid. Um, I've had exercises, you know not just at age 12. I mean I almost lost my hand a couple years later where there was in a farming accident where um, I had to put her on display. Uh, you know when I, when I was getting drafted, I mean there's many times in that process you know when my career ended in the NFL then when my career ended at ESPN, there's been a whole so, and I can guarantee you this this is probably one time that everybody, probably dealt with it a little bit in 2020 mm-hmm. i'm sure there's things where everybody could say i could see how you know losing your purpose right. for a little bit or not having to able to do the things that i use you could feel how hey listen
1: yeah. if
2: i let it go it could go south on me quick
1: very quickly i mean right and, and that part of that Merrill, is why we named this podcast chasing birdies not only is it golf yeah we're chasing birdies and golf all the time you're chasing birdies in life too you, you, you're looking for if you're a salesman, you're looking for the next big sale. Uh, you're an attorney, you're looking for the next big case. We're all chasing birdies in some capacity. Let's let's talk about chasing birdies. I mean, you enjoy chasing those birdies, right?
2: Listen, I just got done with. Uh, I got a great. I, I got a great coach, um, Rod Cook. Rod Cook runs all of the uh, Four Seasons Golf.
1: You got a swing he coach? Is,
2: yeah, he's, uh, Well, he listen. he's, just, he's a great coach. That's why I love him. I, I don't. I mean, I, I see him like once a year. But what I'm always fascinated with, and here's what I think good coaches do, is they work with, you know, like golf. Okay, would everybody like to have Tiger Woods swing? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, sorry. One person that plays golf wouldn't like wouldn't take that swing. Okay. Exactly. There's one. There's one Tiger Woods. Man, if you break down golf at the end of the day, it all comes down to impact. You know, can you can you impact the ball correctly when it matters? And he's really good at helping me get to that point. And this this last time I was with him, um, the the things that he, he worked with me on and he's helped me with. I remember I uh, I went to Iowa right? speaking of Tiger, mm-hmm. Tiger Woods where his was and um I played there the day before. I was oh god I thought I, I like
0: shot let me ninety, remember. huh? Did you see was, the fire hydrant?
2: Yeah well yeah everybody knows what fire hydrant wow. well if you know I mean when you go out to the yeah when you go out to the driving range you yeah. drive right by actually because <laughs> actually the, the the guy okay this next day after the lesson and how I go about playing the guy who plays with me and he bought that oh, he house. bought the house so I, he bought that house so we we go over to we go we went out there for a boat ride over at his house because I'd ask like my brother was with me I didn't ask my brother did he was like he goes I can't tell how many people a day come by and take a picture of that fire hydrant
0: yeah you know what's funny Merrill? I played with that cat last year at Alworth with Stuart Appleby. The guy that bought, I'm assuming it's the same guy because he he lives in Demash the house. B, his, his, his. name's Holly. Yeah, Holly. Yeah, yeah. big tall yeah. guy. You know. You yeah. Know, has, yeah. Wears a watch. Yeah. Um, yeah, Holly. Yep. Played with him. Small world. Anyways, yep. go ahead. So you shoot 90? What 90? I forget what you said. No, but, I don't.
2: I think it was about 99. But the next. So what? What is? Anyway, 100. Because I have. Uh, it's barely. I uh, I uh, and, but listen, I'm, I can't tell how many balls I lost. I mean I'm always. It's never where it should be. It's not even remotely close, so Rob gets me. Have you ever hung up like it's kind of like a little beach ball from there's a string that hangs from it. It kind of helps you with your your hand yep. they position into the ball my and then he positioned my right hand differently. It was too much under the club, so i, I would really have tendency to roll my hand over, so that's why I pull it to the left a lot mm-hmm. and um the little sidebar I went I had it to my wife bought me. Christmas, greatest Christmas gift I ever got a two hour lesson with Butch Harmon.
0: Oh, epic!
2: I spend all day with Butch Harmon.
0: That's so awesome.
2: The second I meet Butch, I, i fall in love with the guy. I mean. We had a freaking blast, and he is. And I, he when I got sat down, he goes, "You know, what I like about you, And I'm like, ah, "I don't know. I, I didn't know. I didn't know you knew me." <laughs> <laughs> Other than that I, I got my wife called. Got to, he goes, "I like how you're on television." He goes, "You just tell it like it is. You have your back straight. You show the evidence of it, and and that because that's how he was. Uh-huh. You know, that's why people get angry at him. That's why Tiger and him kind of yeah. fell out of love a little bit cause He's he was very brutally miraculous. honest. Yep. So I'm, I, and I'll just say kind of I direct. I have always had that tendency to hit, pull it to the left, and I'm. I to back how Rod helped me really correct it. It's going to take me a while because you just don't correct it overnight. But the habits and the practice I'm doing is helping it. Bush goes, "That's the ugliest shit I've ever
1: seen in golf.
2: <laughs> don't. I don't want to ever see that. I'm like, that's atrocious, Merrill. I'm like, okay, that's why I'm here, Butch. I'm like, I get that. That's why. I'm... So he's like, listen, but he he was great. I'm like this is how you, in golf, this is what I, what we want. He goes, I'd rather you push it out to the right because you're so much closer to having a good swing and you're closer to hitting Mm -hmm. it right. Mm -hmm. That hook stuff, get out of here. That's gross. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's
1: hard to play a golf course with a hook.
2: No, you can't play one. It's it's not hard. You can't. So, I, I've I've never forgotten Butch. And I, anyway, it's like I'll text him every now and I'll see him at the Augusta or something. And I'll say, "Ah, see you on there." Just because uh, yeah, he's in Vegas, that's where right. his place places. And yeah. I just I I love the guy. I just well, he's I, he's I built love, a nice love, resume, love oh, he's and I can see why he's good. Yeah, um, but he um but Rod Cook the, the um the guy who's I obviously well, think is a fabulous teacher. He knows he just does. It ain't just me. Everybody works with. He Works within the framework of that golfer, you know, he's not trying to because I've been to lessons before and I'm like, well, let's look at Tiger Woods on the screen. I'm like, oh, why do we do that? I'm like, why are we doing that? That's mm-hmm. not what I want to look at right uh, now. I right. Ain't, that ain't Tiger Woods, I don't even want to look at Philip Mickelson. none of them. Okay, I'm not in, I'm not on tour. More okay? like Bubba
1: Watson, where it's a homemade golf thing.
2: Yeah. There you go. Anyway, so, but, anyways, he's been, it's just, it's enormous, it's different. I mean, it's really helped my game. I mean, it's, I've played the last couple of days i've hit ball and it's but it's going to take me obviously several months before i can really patent it and get rid of a, a habit that has been bad
1: uh, you're out in arizona right now
2: no i'm nope i'm not in arizona right okay. now i'll be uh i be going to end of the end of the month
1: okay yeah I man the golf out there is is incredible i mean there's so many good golf courses out there even the average golf oh. course is really good yeah very true i used to live there i used
2: to live out at desert high a place called desert Highlands. Yeah. You know, and you would okay, if you're familiar with it out there, we, when we were at the, uh, I'm forgetting where we were at, the Princess or. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, last month.
2: So, yeah, it's up north. Um, It's up from Greyhawk, where we were at. Yeah. It's up about, about 10 minutes, maybe, uh, well, up north.
0: I tell you, Greyhawk, that was a good track. That was my first time.
2: Yeah. And I you know, I didn't realize it had two 18 horses, I yeah. had 18 whole courses. I did not know that. It was my first time there.
0: I saw Mickelson on uh, Instagram or something with his golf bag. He has Greyhawk on the golf bag.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but- I thought he was oh, at really? Whisper Rock. No, he, well, he, he's at yeah. Whisper Rock, but he's, I think, a partner in Greyhawk. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. They pay the bills.
0: Sense. I got it. I yeah, got Whisper you, Rock's bro. beautiful, too. Oh, oh my Rock, gosh.
1: That, that's top three for me. That place. Yeah. The views, the course, the hang, incredible.
2: Yeah, that's what I love about Desert Highlands. Desert Highlands comes out of Pinnacle Peak. A lot of their tee boxes come out of the mountains, and it's just spectacular. The views, it's just gorgeous.
0: So when you, you know, because you're obviously well-versed in mental toughness, and we all know golf is a game that will just absolutely destroy any mental confidence you have at any given time. Golf does that to you. It humbles you.
2: Yeah, if you let it, you know, if you let it, here, that's why, I, here's what I love about it. You, you are right. I think it's a great game to exercise being, um, controlling your mind. Okay? If you hit a bad shot, now do I say that? Here's what I'll do. Next. If I get down the bad hole, next hole. I can't forget. I mean, that hole's done with me. I'm on yep. to the next one. On to the next. I don't think I've ever gotten mad. I do. I mean, you know, there's times when you're like, oh, are you freaking kidding me? When you keep hooking the stuff and, you you know, you get frustrated. But I was like, oh, next hole. Next swing, next hole.
1: There's next nothing swing, you can do. That's hole. back to what you were saying. There's nothing you can do in the past. Right? Yeah. Now,
2: here's what Rod has done. He's given me some tools. When I do hit it wrong, I now I don't know why I'm hitting it wrong. See, some people don't know why they're hitting it wrong. I'd be one of those guys. I didn't know that for years. I'm like, how ah, am I doing this? You know? Butch actually opened my eyes to it. He's like, here's why you're doing it. You know? Because they have cameras on the ceiling. They have oh, cameras everywhere. everywhere. Like, you can see your hole, swing. And That's awesome. When you understand why you do it, I'm like, ah, oh, okay, I can get that yeah. now. Now I understand it because you know golf is very opposite. You know, mm-hmm. when you think you're doing something that causes that, it's the complete opposite of what you're doing. Yeah, you know, which I, which I, uh, which now I mean, just speaks to the level of com- complexity of the game. You know, it's it's the opposite of what you think you're doing. Oh. Um, when you hit a ball the wrong way or you hit it, you, when you hit it wrong, you opposite, sometimes it's very opposite of what you think
0: you're doing. And then,
2: so if you don't know it, you start correcting things you, that you, you don't even know why you're correcting it. You're correcting it the wrong way. Yeah, the right? wrong way. So you're making your save a bigger mess.
0: Yeah, way worse. So yeah. are are you over at, Col, is that Coldstream Country Club? Is that yeah, Coldstream
2: in, uh, in Ohio, yeah, Cincinnati.
0: So coming from Pittsburgh though, I mean, you know, we have absolute, Stunning courses in in Southwest PA, uh, in oh, North well, Central look, West I belong
2: Virginia. To, yeah, I belong to Swickley in Pittsburgh. Okay. I belong there for I mean, and what they've done over the last ten years. You know, I've, yeah. I've been there probably kind of on or off for thirty. Yeah, it, it's, but that place, is, Neville Wood is gorgeous. I mean, shoot, you got Oakmont, Laurel Valley, just in that New Allegheny. I mean, we could go on, yeah, and on Fox about. Chapel,
1: Longview. Yeah, yeah.
2: Far, I mean all of them. Because I would say based on that area they were talking about. If you took this Cincinnati, Kentucky area, I think Pittsburgh would destroy them. in oh the my God. Forces yeah. In that, in that, re, you know, based on that circumference of area.
0: Well, you come down to Morgantown and see your buddy, Brian Blankenship, and then we'll go up to uh, Pikewood national, which typically when people come into Pittsburgh, they play Oakmont, then they drive down and play Pikewood. And Pikewood is just second to none, man. It's if you haven't, no, let's do it. Yeah.
2: I, if it's an invite, just consider me.
0: Yeah. Well, a, that's an invite.
2: A, a, a fourth. Consider me
0: a four. Amen to that. Amen to that. So we're going to transition into, uh, I guess here is called the tap-in segment of our show, Meryl. So basically, Jonathan's going to ask you a couple quick hitters, and you, know, you just kind of reply on the spot. First thing that comes to your mind. So I'll, I'll give it to you, J.P. All right, the tap-in segment is brought to you by 44 Concierge. They're the premier concierge
1: company for professional athletes. Started by current NHL vet Nate Thompson, 44 makes sure that all the moving parts in an athlete's life are organized and handled, so you just worry about scoring the winning goal or draining that birdie putt. 44 makes sure their athletes enjoy more and worry less. Check them out at 44concierge.com. All right, Merrill, ready? Ready. Antonio Brown or Heinz Ward? Heinz Ward. Yeah, that's what we we just talked about. We said Heinz word, uh, the guys the guy's competitor. He's a teammate, Uh, but we won't get down that that rabbit hole. Oakmont Country Club. Well, very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> it's a humbling course. <laughs> yes, it is. It's like
2: my buddy Ken Milani, used CEO of Blue Cross, hi Mark Blue Cross Blue Shield in Pittsburgh was talking to Tiger Woods, and he just thought he'd throw out. This is when they're playing the, the Masters there. I mean the uh, – Open. Um, U.S. Open. Open. Open there. And he, he just happened to man. Hey, I'm a member here. And Tiger Woods turned to me and said, why? <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome.
1: Yeah.
2: I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> he can't get his knees cut out from running him." his so
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's brutal, man. You hit in the p- church pews, you're done.
2: Church pews. I'd rather be in a church. Church pews. You can find them there. I don't right. want to hit in the rough because in the rough, he was, uh, I remember played Oakmont. It was like a week after the the match where Remember Phil Mickelson hurt his uh, hand, I think. Yeah. Um. Or his wrist. Oh, he hurt his wrist, wrist trying to get out wrist. of. Yeah. Yeah, it. And I swear to you, I I hit I hit a ball. It was number. Oh, it was the one. Maybe it was the whole. It was twelve. And it was just roll. I hit the fairway and they kind of. If I remember right, I think it's twelve. Kind of the fairway tilts the right. Five. The yeah.
1: Way. Left to right. You can't.
2: And it just re- rolls right, trickles right into the rough. Mm-hmm. Never found that ball. Never found that ball. Yeah. And then the caddy was out there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, you're wondering, what the, what are you guys doing I out there? What? Twiddling didn't your didn't, thumbs, like, huh? I
2: Yeah, now why get mad at that? That's laughable. I'm like, so on. <laughs> fun. That's funny.
0: All right. Music on or off
1: on the golf course? On. What do you listen to?
2: Well, that's wild—a variety thing, a little bit of everything. I, I predominantly, I predominantly listen to jazz.
1: Oh, wow! That's good for the, yeah, that's good jazz for the Golf will, course, yeah.
2: yeah. Yep, jazz keeps me keeps, keeps me in loose. the tempo. Uh-huh.
1: All right, l- last one here, Meryl. Uh, most memorable round of golf. Oh, it was the first
2: round I ever played
1: with All Arnold right. Palmer. Oh, wow. wow! The king. TPC Sawgrass. Oh, that that is a memory.
2: Yep, oh, really? it was a memory, all right. It was my first time ever
0: golfing. And you're playing with uh, Ar- Arnold Palmer. Yep, yep.
2: Just, just just put it this way: Arnold Palmer was not happy.
0: No, really. And
2: I, oh, it was not happy because I replaced Bobby Brewster. Bub Bob <laughs> called me up and said, "Hey." I can't play in this tournament. You want to play in this tournament with me or for me? I'm like, sure. And so Dermani Dawson and I lived next door to each other. And Damani, I'd see Damani out chipping and golfing. <laughs> and if you remember, Ping had just come out with all these wood clubs. Do you remember those yeah. wood clubs that were like mm-hmm. state-of-the-art? And everybody got a pair, um, a set. And, you know, I had a set, but I didn't know, I didn't know how to golf. And So he asked me, I said, those are, you're going to dress up like Payne Stewart, too. Everybody wears Payne Stewart knickers, hat, and everything. And you're going to golf with Arnold. I'm like, oh, I am in. Now, you just don't miss that opportunity. No. That's that's experience of a lifetime. So I just said, yeah, I go in. He goes, that's what. Two days I had to go down there. I had to fly down there. So I said, I called him. I said, oh, sure, sure. So I called Dermani Dawson up. I said, hey, Dirt. I go, um, I got a tournament two two days. Can you show me how to golf? And he there's a pause. There's a pause. He's like, Meryl, you cannot learn how to play golf in two days. I said, Dirt, I got two days. I got I got two days. I go, we're going. I go, let's go. <laughs> so, he took me out. Oh, Obviously, I can understand why he meant you can't learn how to do that in two days. That oh. was absolutely a train wreck.
0: Oh man, that's all. Paul, Paul wanted to
2: kill me. Yeah. He wanted to
1: kill me. Hey, well, at least you have a memory, and uh, I'm sure he oh, loved it. Loved it years oh, after
2: that, That's well. Just so you know, years later, this is this is true. Some like 10, 15 years later, some some a buddy that I a, a friend of mine went there was somewhere he was signing autographs. Okay, he was getting the autograph signed, and he just said, "Hey." He goes, "Um, you remember golfing with Merrill Hodge?" He said he dropped his pen, and he just looked up at him with like a, like a, "Are you freaking kidding me right now?" I'm kidding. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm telling you, I'm probably the only guy I don't Palmer hates because, um, I know. and see, then people go, well, why would he make mad at you?" Well, here's why. Yeah. Which uh, if I'm on his side, if, I'm, if I understood it, I would have been pissed too. <laughs> That was part uh. of the senior tour. The NFL, that Calic kind of like Classic, had been a part of the senior tour. That's how they made it really kind of a big event. Well, when I ripped off my first T-ball, t-ball I, mean, I pulled it to the woods, and I pushed it over. I mean, I pulled it on my left and the right, right? And so he pulls his card out of his back pocket, and we're walking together, and he said, um, you're a 12 handicap? <laughs> I, said, oh. I said, oh, heck no, Mr. Palmer. I go, shoot, I'm like 12 hole. I go, I, he goes, he goes. We have just teed off, and today you have to play at a twelve. And oh. circled the thing like really. Ang- okay, so what happened is they didn't change. They didn't even asked me what my hand, hey, hand was. I told them. I'd have told them a million. Yeah. And um, <laughs> they took bubbies.
0: Uh. They out,
2: and since we teed off because it was a, it was a, it was a tournament. It was a tournament, and it was part of their, um, their tour. I mean, you can't change that.
0: Mm. That is. You stuck with me. Oh. That is so <laughs> That's funny. He's yeah, a, I was like, geez, I, hey, I hated me too. I hey, hated me too. Hey, uh, uh, by the way, I just started two days ago, and uh, here I am. <laughs> I'm a twelve. I didn't, I
2: didn't throw that. I, listen, I already knew I was deep, 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 deep. Yeah,
0: deep. with the king. Deep. Done. deep,
2: man. Deep, and Gary Anderson was the other golfer. And Gary Anderson was, you know, striping it down the middle. See, he didn't do anything but golf and kick extra points mm-hmm. Yeah. Like training camp. So yeah, like like, a, a, it's, it's like a pitcher like in baseball. I
0: mean, yeah, I love he Gary Anderson.
2: He's Single, but he's a good golfer.
0: Single uh, bar, yeah. Single bar, bar. helmet. Oh, Gary. Yeah,
2: he was a good golfer. He was a great, He was a very good golfer. Key in mind, Man, they had Ar- Arnie's army. I can't even uh-huh. tell you. I can't even begin to tell you how. And I wasn't even nervous because I, I just assumed everybody knew I was bad. <laughs> you know, I didn't. I, I didn't. I, I got there going, okay. These people know I'm not good. because um. you know, Arnie rips one out. Aunt Gary rips one. and Then you could see everybody kind of get out of the way, right? And I'm like, I oh, say, they, they know. Up. Good. Yeah, I was yeah. like, good for them. And uh then he drove he dropped that announcement on me. I was like, Oh my god!" Yeah.
0: Brutal. This well, is
2: gonna be tough.
0: Those guys uh, they they know talking about pressure, like you said earlier, those guys know how to perform under pressure. I mean, these guys on tour now are just so mentally connected. It's unbelievable. Yeah. But. There
2: is truth, brothers.
0: Well, Meryl, I can't really? thank you enough, man. Uh, oh, we could sit here and man. chat all day. You, you are truly an inspiring individual. You've been extremely successful in your career, and keep chasing birdies uh, on and I'll off the course. Be doing, boys. And absolutely, uh, you know, we look forward to maybe seeing you sometime over the next couple of months on the golf course.
2: That's a deal, boys. I enjoyed it, man. Every second of it. Thank you, guys, Good luck, and keep finding a way. Yeah, right, amen.
0: Buddy. Yeah, find a way. Amen. Take care. Thanks, Meryl. See you, guys. We'll see you. <laughs> Interesting stuff there with Merrill, huh?
1: Really cool stories. Yeah. I
0: mean, from the time that he played college ball. Dude, how about Arnold Palmer? It, like, will not, he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm done with him, man. Yeah. Done with playing. The king said no.
1: Yeah, that's a really cool story. I mean, and, and the cool thing is that somebody like Merrill Hodge, who's in, in the locker room with some of the greatest NFL players of all time, is so enamored with somebody like Arnold Palmer.
0: Yeah. That athlete mentality, man, and finding a way. That's that's really cool. You know, good vibes, man. That's chasing birdies right there. That is chasing birdies. So, we hope you guys enjoyed that episode as much as we did. And actually, you know, we're kind of staying on the football we're scene gonna, a little we're gonna bit
1: We're going to keep here. the football scene going um, with a good friend of the podcast, a good golfer, had a hell of a college football career. And, uh, I mean, but I feel like if I was in college throwing to Larry Fitzgerald, I would have been okay, an okay quarterback. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he was a really good quarterback, but nonetheless, Tyler Pelko yep, from the University of Pittsburgh uh, is drop. our next guest, and he's got great stories. The guy is a fiend for golf, and his business career is growing every year, which is great to see, even after football. And um, he loves his golf trips and his member guests as well. So I kind of like the
0: guy. Yeah, I it was it's it's always good talking to Listen, some guests.
1: But the more member guests that you can play, in, I feel like the more successful you are in life.
0: Buddy, you got like three? You got four this year, eh? I
1: mean, yeah, we yeah we got four.
0: Yeah, four on the I mean, on the calendar. I mean, uh, You never know what the fall is going to bring up.
1: I gotta run. The, I gotta I gotta get a hold of my wife's schedule and add
0: a few in there like they were already put on the schedule. <laughs> oh shoot that's funny
1: alright guys thank you again keep listening keep telling your friends follow us on Instagram soon to be Facebook Bash is setting that up he's going to get that rolling
0: oh yeah it's right away (laughs) because I know what I'm doing
1: and uh, (laughs) stay tuned for Tyler Pelko
0: hey guys appreciate the love thank you to Simpler Media for, for rolling this production together and we'll catch you all on the flip side take care